Comedy Channel. We have no motto. The Comedy Channel. You laugh until you stop. Comedy is our middle name. And channel your last name, then, right? Yeah. The Comedy Channel. Three-dimensional programming on a two-dimensional screen. Brought to you by a one-dimensional person. What the hell? Mottos come and go. The Comedy Channel. This isn't Russian. But we're always there when you need us. Get the picture? The Comedy Channel. The Comedy Channel. Funny. Free. You are listening to the Constant Comedy Podcast with Art Bell and Vinny Favalli. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another Constant Comedy Podcast. I'm Art Bell. I am Vinny Favalli. And we are here talking comedy. Yes, we do this. Art, do you believe we've made it this far? <laughs> A lot of shows. Still in the podcast business after several recordings. It, it's incredible how long you could be in the business when you're not generating revenue. <laughs> Uh, don't ask what this is costing out there because it's ridiculous. Oh, the, 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 we have we need to advertise these costs. That that's a big word. I, I learned that word at Comedy Channel. But we are having fun, and I'll tell you why I'm having fun because I'm seeing a lot of people I um, I knew and worked with back in the day, right? When right. Comedy Channel and Comedy Central were young, and that is so much fun. And I'll tell you, sometimes we've done people I didn't know, and today is one of those times, Finny. Yeah, oh, today, man, I have major Wikipedia envy on uh, our guest this week, who is Art. I'm trying to feed you lines here. Who's our guest? Our guest is Wayne <laughs> Fetterman. And Wayne is a guy that probably everybody in the audience knows, whether they know it or not. Well, you know, my, my line from this is, we did a great thing on Letterman once. Uh, that guy from that movie. Okay, so normally when you have a you know like a great band like the Paul Schaefer band, sometimes you'll have a, 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 a like we had Rod Stewart sitting with the band or Willie Nelson for the duration of the show. It's a fun thing. So one one night, Letterman goes, "We have a, a someone sitting in with the band with tonight. He's terrific. He's that guy from that movie." And it was the um, the <laughs> actor who I, I should have had the name in front of me, but he's the one that punches Bill Murray in the face on Groundhog Day. You know that guy, right? Right. Right. right you right. know who's who's in everything. And right. he was just sitting on a stool being that guy from that movie. So this week's guest, uh, Wayne Fetterman, is that guy from that TV show. You'll know exactly who we're talking about when you see him, but you won't see him on our podcast because it's just audio. But when you see his promo picture for the podcast, Wade is great. Uh, he's done. I'm not kidding when I said I have Wikipedia envy because he his career is over four decades he's and he's done everything he's been on he's gary shanling's uh brother character's brother in the uh larry sanders show he's uh larry david's next door neighbor right uh but i don't want to give all of his credits away because we do that in the intro anyway it's exciting to talk to someone as you said we've been reuniting with a lot of people gail berman nancy geller Lori zacks uh, even Kevin Murphy, although right, we weren't right. in our, he wasn't in our life every day right. uh, at that time, but he's someone that we worked with. Uh, Wayne is our first booking of someone that where I believe they reached out to us saying, hey, you have a comedy podcast and we have the perfect guest for you. We were actually pitched a guest, Art. Isn't that amazing? I know, that's exciting. That's a step up for us, I think. And it, the reason the reason uh, they were interested in in having Wayne come on is because Wayne just wrote a book about comedy it's called the history of stand-up from mark twain to dave Chappelle. yeah uh and it is a great book so i'm excited yep. to talk i love stand-up by the way stand-up is was our our gateway right our gateway yeah, drug into this whole world from the ed right. sullivan show so uh very excited I, are you ready to talk to wayne i am ready let's do this our next guest is a true renaissance man. He was born in L.A. where he developed an early gift for music and ventriloquism. He made his TV debut while in his teens debating the death penalty, all essential tools he would utilize over an amazing four-decade-plus career in comedy. Now, before I get to just a small sample of highlights from this incredible career, I need to read this one line from Wayne's Wikipedia page, which I love. Art, right, you ready? Ready. Fetterman is Jewish. Who knew? 
That's that's what it says. It gets its, right. Am I kidding? Wait. It gets its no, own that line. That is correct. Is, it gets its own line. It is bio, <laughs> so it really stands out. Fetterman is Jewish. Not a by the way. It's an emphatic Fetterman. <laughs> it could have been Fetterman's a Jew, which sounds a lot more right, right, right. But when you think about it, given the history of comedians, a high percentage of the great ones were in fact Jewish, as Wayne outlines in his great new book. He's performed stand-up on just about every network and syndicated comedy show, including Comedy Central's A-List and Two Drink Minimum, two shows that Art, you and I did at Comedy Central. He made his Tonight Show debut in 1994 with Jay Leno, and in 2009, he helped launch Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, where he was the head writer during its first season. In addition to a prolific stand-up career, Wayne has done lots of TV commercials, voiceovers, and numerous guest star appearances. On the TV side, you remember as Gary Shandling's brother on The Larry Sanders Show, or Larry David's next-door neighbor on Curb Your Enthusiasm, or a starring role in a special episode of The X-Files, written and directed by David Duchovny. Wayne has also been in some of the biggest comedy movies of the last 20 years, and has become known for appearing in just one scene in a film and then disappearing. He calls this the Fetterman and Out. He produced two favorites of mine, The Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling, which was a beautiful documentary, and the award-winning web series with Don Rickles' Dinner with Don. Wayne is the busiest man in comedy, guesting on over 80 podcasts and hosting his own History of Stand-Up podcast, which has spawned his fascinating new book, The History of Stand-Up from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle. Art, Wayne is so busy that I think he's actually a guest on another podcast at the same time he's doing ours. Please welcome the great Wayne Fetterman. Thanks, guys. That was a little embarrassing. First of all, the timeline is a little off. I, I didn't start until the 80s to do Stan. I was still in high school in the 70s. So you may wait. You, so think, I, you think Wikipedia got it wrong, I guess? I huh? don't know. I, I feel like you misread quite. It's like well, I was think, alive in the 70s. Okay, you were a Jew your whole life, though. Yes, right? yeah, yeah, you yeah. They got that. that. They nailed that. You know in what? fact, I, the whole thing could just be that. <laughs> Vinny's a little dyslexic, so he, you no, know, no, yeah. no, no, when it comes to dates, defense, you can't count on it. It's my know? defense. It did say that, but but I, I'm wrong in that. In trusting it, it's it had like you starting from '77 to like the '80s. But I guess your stand-up career began when in New York. Yeah, and after and I went to NYU in the late '70s, and like '82 is really I count as like the start of like that's when I passed at the comic strip. But I was hanging around. I was definitely hanging around. And there's a uh, insane clip of me with Bob Hope from the 70s on an early morning talk show. You can check it out after this. Yeah, I, saw I was I was in the audience and uh, they were, you know, does anyone have any questions? And of course, like I jump up and I insult him and he insults me back. It was oh my God. What a, what a moment. Is that when you did you meet Larry David back then? Is that when you guys first I did meet Larry did not in the 70s, but in the 80s when right. he was after he did Fridays, he would uh, come by and do sets at the comic strip. And I was emceeing there. And he was, you know, just everyone knew him and he's incredible. I just remember he would say this when you brought him up on stage. He would always I go, Larry, here it is from Fridays, Larry Davis. And he'd come up and he'd say, stay close, which meant like at any moment he could bail and you'd have to jump back up on stage. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he was the comedian's comedian, right? I guess. He yeah, yeah. I think he and Gilbert especially were incredible. Incredible. Right, yeah. yeah. Because Gilbert would do impressions of comedians, though he Gilbert could do Belzer. Gilbert right. could do Seinfeld before he, you know, he was uh, so it was just incredible to watch him like, oh, he's making fun of us. This and he would not stop Gilbert like he would just do it forever, like for hours. It was incredible. He, he yeah, he do that for his act or he do that backstage for you guys? No, no, no. You do it on stage. You know, he'd also do like, uh, you know. Ted Bessel from Batgirl. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it was, it was obviously for thirty people in the whole world. Uh, it was, and he was he was great. He was a very talented impressionist and a very unique act. And just do you incredible do to watch. Do you do impressions? No, no I mean, I no, do Jessel. I, I, I do Jessel. That's about it. I understand. I may have this wrong, but when you audition for Saturday Night Live, you got to come in with impressions. Most people do. Yes. Yeah. And I, you know, when I was a kid watching the Ed Sullivan show and you were a kid watching the Ed Sullivan show, right, when right. impressionists came on, you know, I, I, I was amazed at what they could do. Yeah. Well, there's a show called Tattletales. Are, are you familiar with that? No, that was that the game show? No, oh, copy, wait, ca it's copycats. You're talking about copycats. Because I was going to say copycats. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I messed that up. Show. I messed it was up. a summer replacement Let's start the whole show. podcast over. Yes, okay, yeah, really. Right. I screwed right. up the up. intro. As Go well. ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Say it. I messed up. Uh, it's copycats. <laughs> right, right. Idiot. 
um yeah so that show mesmerized me yeah summer replacement you know, George show kirby and all of yep. that yep. marilyn michaels i think was that yes name? marilyn yeah. michaels obviously rich was on that gorshin was on it um yeah that was such a great time yeah. for television. Even the summer replacement shows were like they were good. They, you know, that was uh, that was like maybe on maybe twelve episodes, but I still remember them. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised that that kind of show doesn't exist in today's environment because there's so many talented. Well, there's the three of us. We could produce it. You know what happened to the impressionists? Um, they're still the, around. They're still yeah? around. And they and they're oh, still yeah. working. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because that was uh, such a big. That was such a big part of comedy in those days. It's a big part. I just interviewed Bill Hader Saturday. Yeah. What's today? Monday. So two yeah, days. Yeah, I ago. read that actually. I yeah, read and that he's uh, that's how he got on SNL. You know, he could do those impressions. He could. Yeah. I mean, he did some very you know old fashioned ones like uh, James Price. James Mason and Vince Bray. Yeah, exactly. Vince <laughs> Bray, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. but he's like he said that was the key to getting on that show and staying on that show. You know, I, I used to try and do impressions, but I based it on the impressionist impressions. Like well, James everyone. Mason was always an easy one to do. I won't do it for you. But, you know, My name was is Jim so Mason. Good. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Vinny just did my version of the James Mason. Bad <laughs> Who else do you do, Art? Who else do you do? Who else do you do? I, I, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. You don't have to. Just tell me. No, you don't I have am to do not them. a comedian. And you know what? One thing I learned at Comedy Central, don't don't tussle with the, you know, the the, the really good guys, the professionals. Does don't feel like tussling to you? Just feel like tussling. No, actually, I, I feel a bond nice, between right? us already. Yeah, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> You're riffing. Well, I got to yeah. say, I loved your book. Yes. Um, oh, thank you. Know, you. Thank you. Thank it's, you. It's a really, you know, as someone who loves comedy and has always loved stand-up comedy, it was just a great way to sort of get the whole thing thrown in your face all at once, and and to start make to start to make sense out of it. I, I will tell you just That's one thing. My goal. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I learned a bunch of stuff that I obviously that I didn't know, but a couple of questions that came out or a couple of things that came out. I was amazed and I guess I sort of knew this, but you really give Robert Klein a lot of credit for for being, you know, one of the original stand ups who influenced this generation of stand ups. Jerry Seinfeld Not really. Yeah, it's really the generation before this generation that he influenced. Right. We're already two generations, you know, well, he's, he's, okay. he's like okay, a so riser, uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, Seinfeld. Well, I mentioned Seinfeld. Leno, all of those guys. Yeah, they all up because he in many ways, he was like the first kind of middle class guy who like went to high school and went to college. It was just like a guy. It wasn't like Alan King, like who is this? You know, who is this dude in his suit? It was like he was wearing a sweater. And he's not he married. Talking, he's not talking about his wife yeah, or his yeah, mother-in-law. So yeah, he wasn't talking about any. He does a lot of stuff about, you know, no talking during a nuclear holocaust and all of that stuff. <laughs> that album, Child of the 50s. <laughs> it's right? incredible. It's oh incredible. My God. Yeah, so well, he, uh, I think somebody put it, I'm not, I'm, I wish I could remember. It might be Zoglin in his book. He's, he kind of created the house style of, the new that new generation of comedians but yeah a lot of people at the time it was like it was like carlin klein and Pryor were kind of the big right. three right. and right. klein in a very different way because he was so accessible he was yeah. so it wasn't like Pryor who like grew up in a whorehouse and like you know we had this insane childhood it was like oh it was, uh, yeah I, I do give klein a lot of credit and he did the first hbo our special and so, then many after and many after and uh, multiple ones yeah 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 so that was the one at haverford because i was yes. i believe i was in college at swarthmore college which is next to haverford yes it is when i heard he was there of course i went i went over i don't i think i might have had to hitchhike because you know i couldn't drive but i was it was just the, one of the greatest nights of my life because i loved this guy for years you know i don't know how many years it was and right. there he was you know in real life i thought i was gonna die wait a minute just so I'm clear, you saw the taping of the first no, no. HBO special? I saw the Haverford when he was there in Haverford in, I believe it was 75. Uh-huh. And and it, they might have been taping it. I don't know if it was that exact. Or maybe he was doing warm-up shows or something like that. He might have been doing warm-up, but at, it was a show at Haverford in 75 that I was at. Right. Yeah, so, I just was speaking to Marty Kallner, who directed that thing. Really? Yeah, and he said... The review in the New York Times, I think the guy's name's John O'Connor is his name. Was oh, yeah, he's famous, John O'Connor. Yeah. Is that, am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
that it was just, and I just was rereading it. It was just a short little review, but he talked about like the verite style of following Klein up into there. And he said that one paragraph changed his entire life. I mean, Marty's directed so many things since then, but it's like changed his entire life. One paragraph in the New York Times reviewing that. And that also was like HBO's like, okay, let's create on location. I think you know what that is. Yeah. That's pre Comedy Central television. So, Mm -hmm. well, we we, we when Art had the idea for Comedy Channel, because it was HBO owned at the time, we were able to use a lot of the HBO library, you know, one night stands. And we, we, in some ways, we kind of, built up stand-up and almost killed it by oversaturating it because it was... I don't know if I agree with that because okay. I used to, like, in Thank my book, I, I, I... in my <laughs> I book, thought Art killed it, so he feels better. <laughs> Art, because in my book, I make that case of, like, what happened when the boom busted in the early 90s, you know? And, and everyone was like, oh, there's too much stand-up on television and people just can sit at home and watch... Two Drink Minimum, that was one of your shows, or The A-List, or any of those shows, or Short Attention Span Theater, and all all of those great shows you guys had on. But now that I'm thinking about it, here's the alternate case. There's never been more stand-up on television than today. I mean, it's like Netflix, Comedy Central, YouTube, it's everywhere, and yet the clubs are packed. And actually, it's, it's radio for them. Now it helps them. And radio right? and yeah, serious yeah. radio and all yeah. that. So I don't know if that's exactly was one of the reasons. I mean, I gave multiple reasons why the clubs were things. But so don't feel bad. Art, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad Thank that you. you killed stand-up. See, Art, you Thank can you. take the news off. But the one, the one thing, though, I'm sorry. I think we lowered the quality <laughs> a little because we started to put – Anybody, because we were doing bits, like we were doing uh, like a playlist, like Wally Collins hosted a show called Stand Up, Stand Up, yeah, which I know was it. basically clips by theme. So if you had one good joke, you made it into, you know, it was about your first car. I was on jokes. that. I was yeah, on you it. were yeah. on it. So yeah. unfortunately, you know, we had to feed that monster and there were some, you know, aesthetically didn't look very good. Some of the stand up was shot oh, in okay. a club just to get that one joke. So I guess that was my point. We because I remember, that. if I'm not mistaken, you used my comedy tonight's from the Bill Boggs show on that show. Absolutely. And- yep. Yeah, absolutely. What else did you license? I'm sorry. I'm just curious. Uh, <laughs> Evening into improv was a big, you know, and and that guy. That was uh, yeah. That was our number one show when I was at A and E. It was that and World War II documentaries. And I'll tell you, I know it was Hitler and Bud. Everyone does that joke. Okay, yeah, it was yeah. like the uh, <laughs> Bud Friedman and Hitler was a big thing. On but A&E. but it was true. It was. But the guy who produced it was named Larry. What was his name? Larry something. Produced what? Evening into improv. He oh. was he was the he was the guy who was actually producing, and he ended up with like a billion tons of footage of comedians, some of which he used for the show, and the rest of it he didn't. Vinny, don't you remember we we likened the whole thing? Yeah, we pound, yeah. What we did was we had this thing where we thought we could take any clip anywhere and claim fair usage, something YouTube does all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah but but just before we launched, the lawyers told us you can't do that. The DGA was was rescinded that that, that ability. So Art had to. We were he massacred to, that story, but I'll leave it at that. Yeah, we we were. We, but Art, but Art, right? We were just limited to using. No, we clips actually from got permission from all the guilds to use. Clips and then the DGA called eight weeks before we were going to launch. We had a ton of clips behind us and said, Change our mind. One of our board members said, No, you know who the board member was? We didn't have this on great authority, but they said it was Woody Allen who said, Who came to the board? I can't can't believe that. I know. I I was like, What are you ridiculous? Seriously, but. You know, I, I, of, I, I have a problem with we that. Had to, we had to throw out most of our program. There was a situation there with the clip of me on the, the old Jack Barr show. Not to be exact. I never got paid uh, for the time I was on the Dick Cavett. So he, he's a dear friend of mine. Anyway, the Woodman killed comedy for a little while. I, I can't believe it was him because it just seemed like he wouldn't be involved. No. In any Are you kidding? Kind of, he was. Oh no, but he was. He was. Was of he his image in his? No, DGA but he did politics. Yeah, I, I just doing his movies. I could see it. Yeah, it's like the front, and you can all go fuck yourselves. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, that movie! So oh, good, so depressing. So, so the book. What what motivated you to write this great new book, which is uh, the history of stand up from Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle? Well, I I've always they've told the a lot of times 
PBS did something called The History of Comedy. And then uh, uh, CNN did something called The History of Comedy. And it's over half of it is always stand-up. But it's never just stand-up. It's always like, oh, Lucille Ball and this thing and Saturday Night Live. So I've always been fascinated by the lineage of how it started and how we got here today through these, now there's two booms. So no one had ever written exactly that story. There's an incredible book by Cliff Nestroff called The Comedians that kind of covers that area. But he also has stuff about Conan O'Brien who wasn't a stand-up and the people who aren't necessarily. So mine's just laser focused on stand-up, how it started and my big theory, which is that it's all connected, that the style of stand-up changes and that what makes you laugh changes over time. So what made your parents laugh is going to be a different comic than maybe like Robert Klein, you were talking about earlier, is a perfect example. Like there was comedians like, well, he's funny, but he's no Buddy Hackett. So there, there would be those people. And then there was, so that story kept repeating itself over and over. And I was like, okay, let me just lay it all out. And I try to do it in a very easy read. It's like 160 pages. It's like, it's an easy kind of read. For oh, the it was so, yeah, it was, it's, it's, so it, it is, it's a very good read. And you Thank did, you. I like the way you connected people, you know, you, the buddy Hackett with, you know, some of the com Robin Williams, for example, right. Jonathan Winters, that, that school of just crazy improvisational comedy. And right. then the other school of, you know, the Robert Klein school we talked about that ended with Jerry Seinfeld. And I guess there's, there's graduates of that school today, right? Working Mulaney. Would you put him in that? Yeah, yeah, I think Mulaney is very much in the Seinfeld school of it, yeah, but right. there was also something called alternative comedy, which was kind, I of remember pushed, that. They kind of pushed back against a little of what would be 80s comedy, which had very uh, kind of a Seinfeldian kind of aesthetic to the whole thing. So and then people push back against that and then come back with, you know, more traditional punchlines. So it's just the whole story keeps repeating over and over in the even back to Bob Hope and those guys were rebelling against comedians that did ethnic comedy that did like, you know, I'm a Irish guy. I'm a guy. There was blackface comedians back then. There was, uh, uh, you know, German guys. And, and they were like, let's, can I just be a guy? Can I just be a guy on stage? Yeah. Without a character yeah. or, or a character that was sort of a normal character. Yeah. 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 So he was just like, I mean, Bob Hope is kind of like a fast talking city slicker guy, but still it wasn't like, Oh, he's definitely doing a Scottish. She's a Scottish. Cause all of the early ones from the Weber and Fields days are all ethnic. Right. So he was like a new guy pushing back him, Burl, Jack Benny, all of those guys. I, I love what you wrote about Fred Allen. Enough people, more people need to know about Fred and and, and read right. about him. But it reminds me so much of Letterman. Okay, the way yeah. when you when you said I was I, I'm taking notes while I'm reading a book of Fred Allen. I'm thinking Letterman meta, and then you use that word because like Letterman art. Letterman would do like these comedy pieces where okay, it's Mother's Day cards. I will. He's talking to the audience, right? I will hold up a mother Mother's Day card which will have a real front and then I will make a humorous comment. Okay. Right, Are right, we ready? Right. You ready, Paul? And I don't know if it was a lack of confidence in the material or you can't lose either way. You're going to laugh because I'm being sarcastic about my own comedy. Yeah. He will Letterman. If I could put it in a nutshell, sort of was doing a talk show and making fun of doing a Absolutely. talk show at the same time. Hands, would you say that's accurate? Down. Yep. Yeah, I, I worked with Letterman for 23 years. I oh, okay. it every every night. So, yes. And that was the great difficulty I found when Leno was killing us in the ratings. And then you guys, when when, Fallon, when well, you weren't with Fallon, but you, you started him off wonderfully because when he got 1130, he hit the ground running, you know, and he was dominating. And I'm like, how do we compete with these guys when we're making fun of what they're doing and what we're doing at the same time? It was very difficult. So what'd you do? Did you change anything? We didn't know. We just kept on going. You know, Dave, Dave Letterman stuck to his guns and good for him. But, you know, it's hard. But reading about Fred Allen and Jack, no, Jack Benny. When I read, I had never seen Fred Allen's uh, vaudeville act, but I read about it in his book. And just the title of his act, The World's Worst Juggler. Already, he's like making fun of showbiz. <laughs> Already like, oh, well, who is this guy? Because everyone's like, oh, I need to be great to be in vaudeville. He's like, oh, I'm going to go the other way. 
I'm going to make fun of it. And Jack Benny being his own straight guy. Like you mentioned it in the book, how Jack Benny surrounded himself with people the way oh, Seinfeld yeah. did in the beginning. We should no talk question. about that. That was incredible. No, for his radio show. Yeah, for the for, radio yeah. show. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I'm fascinated by the whole thing. And it's uh, and I am really interested in like the newest of the new comedians. I like I love it. I love the whole. Who are you talking about? Exactly. Well, I mean, there's a guy named Nate Bargatze that's incredible. And uh -huh. there's just there's a new woman named Ziwa, Ziway, excuse me. And she like does stuff to the camera, you know, just what they call front facing comedians and live performance. She's going to be hosting a show on uh, Showtime in a month, I think it debuts. So and she's just she's incredible. So it's like it's really I just think it's really exciting time to be in comedy and to be part of it so are you still doing stand-up like the okay barely. barely yes yeah yeah i already have i already have book dates booked in 2021 it's oh, already happened. okay I'm gonna be in arizona yeah i, I did some zoom shows over yeah how was so that? Yeah, you, I was amazed at how up to date your book was. Like, what we we're getting towards the end. And I'm like, I oh know God, the fact that this COVID. interview was in it is incredible. <laughs> You're a magician. <laughs> I know it's been said before, but you are a magician when it comes to comedy. Um, <laughs> That's a great. You know something? You um, do a lot of stuff. Yes, in, I do. In showbiz. You do stand-up comedy, you do acting, you do producing and everything else. What do you like best? I mean, you say you're doing some oh, more stand-up. Stand stand really? Stand yeah, so yeah. Seinfeld's the same way. He always says, you know, he yeah, loves yeah, doing stand-up. Yeah. And, and mean, yes, yeah, that's that's the most creative. That's the fun. That's the best. But I will say for my ego, for creativity, stand-up, hands down. Mm -hmm. There's nothing close. But for ego stuff, I really liked doing the Fetterman and outs in those movies. Like I really like because those kind of live on and you're, you know, when you're a kid, I, I actually grew up in Florida, not in California. So growing up in Florida, like it just seems it would seem impossible to be in the movies, let alone, you know, to be so that I get a real kick out of. But that's just the little kid in me is just like, ah, oh, this is ridiculous, you know. I'm in I'm in Legally Blonde, like my favorite, I think, by more than the comedies is that I'm in Legally Blonde <laughs> in that it's just because they made it into a Broadway thing. It's like part of the culture. I was just like, OK, that's incredible. And 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 those those scenes of yours have a new life on YouTube. You know, everything could be out of context. You can yeah, just yeah. take the clip. Yeah, that's what we were trying to do at, at Comedy Central, at Comedy Channel, I mean, right, Finn? Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Well, guys, I'm very curious. If I know you want to make this about me. And no, no, being ask on us. The we'll Larry Sanders show. But I'm not I, answering any questions. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> because now, were you, when you, when did you first, this is the big question for you, and I guess it's for art. Right. When did you first hear about your competition, the Hot Channel? Okay, it's a good question. Thank you. Michael Fuchs, yeah. I pitched the thing. Michael said yes. We started developing it. Michael said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a big press conference in Los Angeles. So I flew out. I'm sitting next to Billy Crystal. He's got right. all these comedians here. Billy Crystal looks at me, who the hell are you? And, and I had to explain who I was, you know. Right. I said, Do you know Stu Smiley? You know, everybody knew Stu Smiley. Right, he says, right. Yeah, I, I, I work with Stu. Anyway, Michael gets up there and he says, HBO is gonna start. A comedy channel. It's going to be the funniest channel you ever saw. It's going to be a funny. It's going to be so funny because we're HBO. We know how to make television. We know how to make comedy. And I'm like this. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> because we hadn't launched yet. And we, you know, we're working our tails off. And he's talking like the first day it's going to be like shot out of a cannon. Right, I'm like, right, right. don't do that. I'm flying back. I get back to New York that day. This is, this is true. that day, like a day after the press conference, an announcement from MTV networks. We are starting a comedy network as well. And we're calling it Ha, the Comedy Network. Now, you know what they had? We went back and checked. You know what they had at that point? A press release. Right. They were such good competitors. And I handed to them, you know, because we ended up working with those guys when we merged. Yeah. Comedy partners. They were such They were such good competitors <laughs> that as soon as they saw us. But you know, I gotta say this, and, and, and then I'll shut up. 
at that moment, I thought, okay, I may be in big trouble. We got to put this comedy network together in like four or five months. And we don't, you know, really know what so it's going to look like. So we did launch before they but, did. But it must be a good idea because now there's going to be two comedy networks in the world. So I didn't feel so bad about pitching it and getting it started, you know? Like if it didn't work. I love work. it. I love it. So that was it. Yeah, now, I told the whole story. It was incredible when it was happening because this is all at 1989 we're talking about, right? Right, so right. 89, November. It is... You know, it was just the way it felt for the young comedians was, oh, my God, the big the big kids are I finally adopted it. There's like Time Warner, Time Warner and Viacom are now battling over who's going to be the, you know, who's going to provide comedy to the United States. You know what? And it was and, just like and it was explained to me because the yeah. comedians, you know, the, it's an interesting question, but the stand-up comedians really kind of gravitated to us. A lot of comedy gravitated to us. And somebody, I can't remember who it was. It might've been Belzer. Somebody said to me, you know, the comedy industry is really kind of proud that you're throwing them a channel. You know, they never, it's, it's almost like a, That's what it a, says. a, a mark yeah. of acceptance. And I didn't realize that until somebody said it to me and I said, yeah, wow. Because people, I, one of the reasons I wanted there to be a comedy channel in the world, a comedy network, is because people didn't think of comedy as a, a big thing. The way they thought about rock and roll, the way they thought about classical music, the way they thought about, you know, half a dozen other things. Right. I said, there's gotta be a comedy network. Anyway. Now, when I wrote in the book without interviewing you at all, that I felt I like the com <laughs> they got my and number what's the problem? i felt i know <laughs> it was deliberate it was deliberate <laughs> so i wrote in the book it was like that the comedy comedy central was hoping to be an mtv for comedians like whatever that was for music the way right. it kind of changed music and elevated music and and like made the the old stars great and then broke new stars that that's what maybe they would be able to do for comedians is that close what i wrote in my book yes that is that more is close but again channel, it though, wasn't... more comedy channel than comedy central because comedy channel was more of the clip based and we were running abbott and costello side by side with oh, okay. the newer stuff but but no but you're right in this regard and, and even he's right i mean we wanted to elevate comedy and when we got to Comedy Central, we had to start thinking about what we really wanted this channel to be, because now we actually had money and programming. Um, right. And so when we were trying to name the channel before it was Comedy Central, we were asked, like, OK, so what is this whole thing? Right. And we said we want to be the center of the comedy universe. Right. We want all the great comedy to be coming to us and we want to really elevate comedy. And that's how we ended up getting named Comedy Central. But that was the hope. That was the dream. And that's what kind of what I showed, uh, you know, when I was talking to Michael, that's what I sold him. And I said, hey, that's Michael, awesome. if this thing works, that's we awesome. are going to be comedy forever. Yeah. It's been Thank 30 you. years. We're still there, but who knows? But the reality is, is like, mean, wait, wait, who knows? <laughs> Is it that? Is it still barely holding on? I think it's doing pretty <laughs> well. You know, no, no, it, it is, no, but cable in general is weird. Like, you, you know, you don't need a Comedy Central anymore because Twitch and Twitter yeah, and YouTube yeah, are no, all Comedy Central. Is, I mean, yes, obviously that landscape changes. That would be that would be weird if there was no Comedy Central because it's such a important. Well, the, do you remember, the, can I just talk about a couple early shows? Yes, oh, really please. Tell me. Yeah, Not, yeah. Nothing to do with me. Nothing to do yeah, yeah, that no, I no. just loved. I loved and again, I don't know if they were on Ha or Thing or Comedy Channel, but uh, Joe Bolster did like a sports. Yes, Comedy Channel. Comedy it? Channel. What that was, was that? What was that called? It was uh, Sports Rain Monster. Delay. Sports, Sports Monster. Monster. Sports First, Monster. it was Rain Delay. It was I Rain think, Delay. Yeah, Scott Carter, who was on our podcast uh, yeah, yeah, two weeks yeah. ago, um, he told us how they put the pilot together. I think our, all the execs were at TCA or somewhere, and they had the studios. They had like eight thousand dollars, and they put a pilot together, and it based on a rain delay. And, oh, that was right. That was you incredible. Well, you remember was... it, and then that became Sports Monster. That was a great show. Right. By the way, I still have a Comedy Channel T-shirt. I can go get it. Wow! Later oh, please, in the yes, you sell that. You could sell that on eBay for like ten million dollars. I think. Okay, maybe ten. Maybe ten. <laughs> Who else do you remember from uh, from? Uh, well, obviously, I remember Havy's show. Night after night, yeah. audience. Yeah, what was that? What was that on? Was that on Ha? Was that on? No, comedy, oh, that was was comedy, comedy Channel. Channel. That was Comedy Channel. Yeah, the way I remember good. Ha. They were initially like Nick at Night, twenty four hours. I mean, they oh, okay. launched with Mary Tyler Moore reruns. That's what I it think was. they may have done a game show, but right. I think everything you're without bragging, but I think you're going to remember that was great. Was the probably Higgins Brothers, Comedy and Channel, Higgins Boys and, Higgins Boys and yeah. Gruber, and Tommy that Sledge. Was, remember Tommy yeah. Sledge, yeah, the yeah, Private Eye. 
course, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, this is just a little bit of trivia for you. The first night that I ever met Kevin Nealon, I did a show at USC. This is 1986. Tommy Sledge was on the show. I can't remember the other guy's name. Kevin Neal and myself booked by USC freshman Judd Apatow. Oh, wow. That's great. Crazy, wow. right? And you, crazy. and you went on to produce with, with Judd, right? Yeah, you, no, I've been, we've been like a lifetime, I mean, adult friends again. So that was, yeah, that was a crazy night. You remember Mystery Science Theater from back then? Oh, well, every, I mean, I mean at the they're time, still I'm, doing Mystery Science yeah. Theater. <laughs> still, I know. Uh, you, you yeah, know Jonah's I, doing it right now, right? Yeah, he's bringing yeah. it back, and Riff Tracks yeah. is actually, it's its own channel, Mystery Science Theater and Riff yeah. Tracks on Pluto, right. which I don't even know if people know what that is, but it's incredible. It's 24 7. But I really feel like, yes, I was on that show. I was on that Wally Collins show. I was on when Patty Rossborough was right with John with, Stewart. Yeah, with all of that stuff. Sure, and, and then I did Two Drink Minimum. And there was another. You did A list. You did the A list. The A list. But the, here was the, here's my joke about the A list because I did the first season, the A list was hosted by Richard Lewis, correct? Right. I believe so. The second, Sandra Bernhardt. Oh, right. Yes. What, didn't Paul. So I did, it was event? at the Mayfair Theater. So I did the second season and people were like, is it still the A list? I feel like it's now the A minus list. This might be the B plus list at this point. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was our joke at the time. Aww. Did you do the A list? I go, well, it's the second season. It's the A minus list. Did you uh, win any Cable Ace Awards in the process with all no, your work? I didn't on cable? do any. No, I was thrilled. Look, it was so exciting. And then, I, you know, you know I mean, I obviously it was. I feel like, and I wrote in the book, and let me see if I got this right. I feel like Comedy Central really caught on when they started doing what I call grooming these comedians, not for sexual assault, but for fame. And they would start out with you like, did. you do 10 minutes on, I mean, premium blend, or it was later you called. You nailed it. Yeah. You, and you then did. Was, yeah, because you, you got Dave. Dave Chappelle was one of the previous, Kathy Griffin, Jim Brewer, a young Jim Brewer. Where they were right, all right. so when I read that I was like oh my god this guy was watching it back then. yeah yeah you, yeah and then you... you would do a half hour the mm -hmm. Comedy Central presents right. which I assume was based on I, you guys were there on uh, one night stands I'm right right HBO's yep. they were doing half hours yep did you use the term farm team for um is it is that you who said that Comedy Central was a farm team for grooming comedians because I, no, that's, I don't know I, that's I don't what know. I thought you did because I noticed yeah. it because Michael Fuchs who is the chairman yeah. of HBO yeah. one of the things he always said was you know this this channel's a farm team or a farm team so we mm -hmm. can develop comedians you know obviously to get them on HBO because anytime anybody was any good it was like they you know jump. phone call you know and they, they stole amazing. the talent you know yeah that's so um but that that was a big a big part of it that was a big yeah problem. no so once that started happening and then it was like the people that had like very successful hours were suddenly like oh we're gonna throw you a show that's so now you have dimitri martin's show and you have uh, amy schumer's was obviously incredible and right in later years that was after, yeah yeah was, but that was, saying, that was yeah, after yeah, yes. no you're right that they, they you know there was a, a moment there where and it's a shame that because that comedy central didn't figure out a way to hold on to those people because they were owned by Paramount and, and Amy Schumer's train wreck should have been a Paramount film, you know, oh, but they kind of let them go. They were like, and I think that's one of the problems with, 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 um, that's interesting. That's yeah. Interesting. They really, a lot well, of people we always, that they, we always had a problem keeping talent. Well, yeah, know? because we didn't have the money, you know, Bill Maher got a call and that was the end of Bill Maher, you know, he, right, went, he went to he went ABC, right? He did the, he yeah. jumped to ABC. But, and, and he was like a, big flagship show for us for a while as he, he should have been and um and who else did we lose i mean john stewart went to mtv and he came back but he went to mtv because they paid him more oh well I, you know what i don't know that that's the fact he probably just got a better opportunity there we right. could not hold these guys because we were too small we didn't have the money we didn't have the we weren't the platform that these other guys you know these other can people i ask are. you a little about um language on your network we were in because, English primarily, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Next question. Next question. Um, Some Yiddish. Was that I noticed that in the maybe in the nineties that suddenly I would hear the f bomb late at night on Comedy Central. Was there discussions? That was about after this? us. That was after, that was after us. you. And you know what? We used to. We used to. Um, we had to. We 
we had to really conform to what cable was doing in when we first started. Meaning mm-hmm. and I just, you know, we were there till 90 through 96, basically. Okay, okay. Um, okay. And, when did uh, John Stewart take over the Daily Show? At, that was around the time we left. When we left, Kilborn was just I think it was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 maybe even later. Kilborn that's right. That's right. Was Kilborn had started there? Yeah, he started. Before we left, yeah, Matt Smithburg pitched that show. Anyway, so yeah, we had to be cable friendly, and the the people watching at that point were and that we had to worry about were advertisers primarily, yeah. secondarily uh, cable affiliates, yeah, and third audiences who mostly didn't care, but we get a phone call once in a while. We you know we pushed the limits as far as we could, but we really kind of stayed on this kind of uh, this side of the line. And the f bomb okay. never showed up. Well, that was one. the first. It was no, so that must have been late. That must have been in the two thousand. But Wayne, yeah. to your point, I I'm think not... it was. I think it was when George Bush was president. And I'm not surprised, though, that you heard it, because I remember learning for the first time um, the concept of safe harbor from, from the yeah. FCC. Safe harbor was, mm-hmm. in theory, even on, on, a, on a commercial channel, you, you can get away with more. And I tried to fight that to get Letterman to do some of the things he wanted to do at CBS. Mm-hmm. And good luck. You know, I rarely succeeded. But yeah, that's not a surprise. But yeah, right. Art's right. It was the advertisers. Just because you could do it doesn't mean, you know, you can get away with it without. Well, listen, you know what? As as a comedy network, we got in trouble plenty with the advertisers and everybody else, but mostly for the kind of jokes, you know, the kind of stuff we were doing. We were okay. doing, we, we did we did something on Ronald Reagan. We did an Alzheimer's joke. Alzheimer's which, um, you know, Wayne, at the time, you know, our programming, our long form was, it was very difficult because it was like Benny Hill marathon. Benny Hill. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and it, it, he was funny, but you know, it's like you're Comedy Central and you're trying to be hip and you, you know, we would have in the margins. So we did, did these things called topicals. It's almost like our version of a monologue joke. We, do five or six 10 second like jokes that would run yeah. throughout the day. It was about Amy Fisher, Joey Buttafuoco, a little right, song right. parody, whatever. And we did a joke about, I think it was at the time it Reagan, was, Reagan wasn't it? was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. He wasn't president, Something. but it was still, yeah, it was, in it the was 90s. still yeah, early, yeah, early on. 90s. Yep, and yep. I remember, I think it was Al Gore called Michael Fuchs. To, it was like a really big deal. He called Michael oh. Fuchs to complain. And then we got in trouble um, okay. But but rarely we didn't have any long form shows. Yeah, we I got remember. in trouble, but they, it's not like we had to go to the penalty box or anything. They, they got they got upset. You didn't go to the penalty box. We did not. They got upset, but and they said you got to be careful. That's what the, you know. They just kind of okay. So this was later. And now that I'm thinking about it, it was a bad question. I'm, I'm going to withdraw. No, no, no. You got to take that. But the biggest thing that Art and I did at, <laughs> at Comedy Central was making by by covering the State of the Union speech live. That put the network yes, on the map. Yeah, that was the big And thing. we just had Al Franken making fun of the president in real time with some right. other comedians. Which a lot of people thought was kind of like crossing the line. Bill Maher, politically incorrect. He, he right. said, when he pitched the show, he said, that's what I want to do. I want to get in trouble a lot. And he did. He did. But, you know, that's... Now, that's, did you... There was a... This might have been... I don't know. I kind of remember earlier on there was something like called two-minute comedy or something like that. 30, like 60, the, 90s, those promos. Yeah. Oh, it was like yes. a clock ticking. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. some of those. That was Comedy Channel. We had Channel. Richard Lewis. We had Gilbert yeah. Gottfried. Yeah. Those, those are incredible. Those are incredible. You know what? There's... You're bringing up something interesting. And I Sorry, I'm just reminiscing this. about no, no, it. Well, first but, of all, this gonna, is turning into a different podcast, but we'll pivot back. No, I don't care. No, I love it. I want it. I want you to read my book, Wayne. I know you haven't, but a lot of this Constant Comedy? Yeah, here it is. I'll Let show it to you. We're, cover looks we're, like. we're not doing video on the thing, but I, so I can oh, just show okay. it. Oh, okay. Interesting. It's, okay. And it's, the subtitle is How I Started Comedy Central and Lost My Sense of Humor. I and love it, it. it's really, it's I'll a totally memoir. You it. know, it's really like minute by minute. I think you would like it. But anyway, that's the end of my pitch. Um, what was I saying? Uh, oh, yeah. New ways to do stand up comedy. And that uh-huh. was really what we had to find because. You know, as Vinny pointed out, we had a lot of stand-up comedy on the network. We didn't want to just have guys in front of mics doing stand-up comedy, but there was all this stand-up comedy talent. So what could we do with right. it? And those 30, 60, 90s, you know, we had yeah, that was Richard really Lewis smart. talking to the camera. And, saying, and I remember oh, at one time that there was somebody was trying to maybe do little animated things before. I'm not talking about Dr. Katz, but before that, it was like... We did, we did animated occasionally. We did yeah. an animated um, political cartoon. Oh, okay. The Warner Brothers animator, I was very proud of that. Um, that but incredible. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what you're talking about. But, but Dr. Katz was another thing. It was another way we said, you know, we saw that it was brought to us. We didn't develop it. But we saw it as a way to get stand-up 
on the air without having it be stand up. And, and no, but this is my question for you is like, as someone who loves stand up, do you feel like people are just tired of people standing on stage? No, is it that that it has no, to be no. reformed purposed into no. like? No, except that stand up was such an important part of what we were doing, and we had so much of it. That, right. You know, we didn't. We we really weren't the stand up comedy channel. We were really right. I you know the comedy comedy comedy. central. Oh, you, I mean, yes, we were. We, we did a marathon we, one Memorial weekend and, and Wayne tripled our what numbers. Year? I want to say 89 or 90. Uh, it had to be, it had to be 90. We were still in the HBO building. So I think 1990, what happened was, you know, so we were at odds with the VJs, you know, we, you know, Rachel yes, Sweet yeah. and Tommy, Gail Berman told us, oh my God, you're forcing these goddamn clips on us. You know, whether it was a hygiene black and white film from the fifties that, that uh, we thought was ironically funny or, you know, police Academy clips, you know, stuff like that. And uh, I remember one Memorial Day weekend, we, we strung together all of the stand-up long, we, you know, we call that long form, right? As opposed to short form. And then we tripled our numbers. And it wasn't the same after that, Art. I don't know if you how well you remember this, but- No, of course. It became stand-up is the f long form, the concept long form and stand-up was it. Yeah, because you know what? Somebody mentioned it to me because I kept trying, we kept trying to figure out how can we make things better. And someone said, you know what? Stand up. When we see stand up on the channel, it makes us look up and you know pay attention. And they watch longer. Yeah. So no, no. I mean, Wayne, don't get us wrong. Stand up was very important, a very important part of the network. Uh -huh. But you know, we we had other stuff, Mystery Science Theater, and and yeah. the, the other political stuff we were doing. So whenever somebody brought to us something that was included or involved stand up but it wasn't exactly stand-up. We said, great. So essentially it was putting stand-up on the network. When Dr. Katz went on the air, a friend of mine who was a writer in LA said, he said, man, that's the best written comedy Hell yeah. on television. I said, well, that's because you got comedians doing seven minutes of their act that they worked on right. for 25 years, you know? <laughs> but that's not true because I also thought the outer office stuff was amazing. Oh yeah, no, I'm, yeah listen, with I, I don't mean and, to diminish that. And stuff. Laura, yeah. Yeah, the whole thing was very. It was, it was. It was. Well, it was great. It won a lot of awards, including. A and Seinfeld at the yeah. time was just starting out, and when you think about it, that would have been the perfect show for us because it was a mashup. The early days of Seinfeld, it started oh, off with, with right. stand-up. He a was, comedian, and it was about yeah. a stand-up comedian, and that was would have been a way to really take it to the next level. Um, we had our eye on that show. Remember, our, we did. Our, the guy did. who was in charge we gonna, of scheduling we, programming said, "You know." Here. Seinfeld's on the bubble at NBC. It was the first year. You know, they didn't know yeah, who it was going to be renewed. More episode pickups. And, and, and we sat around and said, okay, how, how are we going to get Seinfeld? Because we figured it was going to get rejected and lie in a basement and we'd get the reruns. But of course, that didn't happen. Wow. Wait a minute. So you could, you have bid if it's like a drop by NBC, you were thinking yep. of bringing it yep. over? We would. And that Listen, was very we, feasible because we it was went, not. We, yeah, we went after um, Saturday Night Live. I think were we the first guys to repeat Saturday Night Live? I believe Live? we were. Yeah, we, yeah, because because Lauren never let those things out. You know, he played them live. Right. They'd show up again in the summertime. Then they went to Lauren's basement. We the kids at the hall. We went to them and said we want to license those things. And there was a big war between. But it was us. like half hour versions of it, wasn't it? No. It and no, no, the the beginning, full no, it wasn't, wasn't the whole, full 90. Not the 90. It was our versions, but eventually we were able to, because the music clearances were. Yeah, 90. that would have yeah, been a lot. But Kids in the Hall was very, did very well for us. And then we had SCTV, my favorite show of all time. Um, right. And, and but the ratings, you know, it killed me. It just killed me that the ratings for SCTV and, and even Mystery Science Theater, they, they were literally cult audiences. It wasn't enough to. To, to get excited I loved, about. I loved Sketch. We're going to have to get back to you, Wayne, at some point here. But I loved Sketch. And, well, didn't uh, you guys put... Well, oh, no, that was later. That we, was, which we one? Put show, we put Almost um, Live on. We put... What was the sketch? The other sketch comedy? Didn't UCB show? have a show once? Oh, wait. Yeah. Exit 57? Exit 57. Yeah, Exit 57. We could and not... You could, look, you were always... Obviously, we your big shows ended up being South Park and The Daily Show, right? Those right. are the two. But they came to us. Uh, I was... I, we had left... But that's after before. you guys, No, no, right? no, no. What happened was South Park was, was under the new regime. Doug Herzog should absolutely get credit for that. But... They had choices and the South Park guys chose Comedy Central because of what we had done. You know, they figured right, right. they can get away. Look, yeah, this is the network that made fun of George Bush Sr., you know, right, on live right, right. TV while he gave a speech. How could you not consider going there if you had an edgy cartoon show? It's interesting that the, 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 uh, the, 
the umbrella of HBO of like the place where you would develop a comic and then they would go there. That's interesting dynamic that that yeah. was yeah. going on at the time. And it was weird too, when we were co-owned, you know, our board was made up of, of, of HBO and MTV at one Vinny, point. Can I ask you about Letterman? What years were you with Letterman? I was at Letterman from 96 till the end. I got there just after Rob Burnett took over from Morty. What happened was Morty was fired. Rob Burnett, who was the head writer, took over. They had been on CBS for two years. And then what happened was the bottom dropped out at CBS. They lost football and a bunch of CBS stations. You know, so David was wooed by, oh, we're going to have football. We're going to promote you. We're super hot. And then then I get Yeah, they had the NFC. CBS had the NFC all those years. Yeah, it was so bad. Sandy Grossman used to direct those. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So so it was a really dark time when I got there. Rob had taken over and he told Dave, he said, look, remember when we said we don't want network interference? We need support now. Like Rob was a writer, you know, we, you know, he's become this amazing producer, but he goes, I need a partner. I need someone that could kind of be the funnel. So, yeah, I ran interference. Let's well let's get let's get back to your book a little bit and some of the things you said which I thought <laughs> this is like the amazing I love this conversation wait yeah I have a no question. your book not my book no I'm um, kidding wait wait I have a question for Wayne I'm just gonna <laughs> let me get back something. to my book. was was I, I in line wanna... with that whole thing about my no book I love it I we love can it. take it out the, no. <laughs> Wayne I'm just gonna throw some things at you um, let's hit her David Brenner like like put him in context for me like I know where you know but he well, wasn't he was big but he wasn't. Uber he was big. big. He was big. You know what I mean? I think he did more Tonight Shows than anyone. Uh, and he, he hosted did like a lot. over 170. I know that. So it was, and he was, he is, I think his legacy is that he really defined what an observational comedian is. He right. like, he like, like oh, one of his best jokes was you saw a, a sign on the door. It said, uh, no dogs allowed except seeing eye dogs. It's like, who is that sign for? <laughs> like just a simple like and seinfeld obviously took it to another level but right 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 right. nitpicking the little things in life where you just and he was incredible with that and yeah and they they did a sitcom he tried to do i think he did a pilot uh uh, based on uh shampoo right called scissors he was a he was a hair salon guy yeah but so, so I guess. So I don't was, know. I don't know if he couldn't act. I don't know if he was. I mean, he was so popular on the Tonight Show, right? Like oh that was God, his, yeah. his things. Yeah. But I don't know if his specials like like blew up and like in the way like when Richard Pryor did that movie, it was like, oh, yeah. what's right. happening was, here? Or thing. when Sam Kennison went on HBO with Rodney, we're like, what's happening here? This is that, all. That was moved to where the food is. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It was just like what this is mind-blowing so um i don't know he's just great you know just a great comic all those years no no, no. he was he was terrific and i philly love guy you, philly i guy. love how you yeah. talk about and i have a theory on this in your book and really oh. people listening here this book is incredible because uh if you, it's an education if you don't know it and it's worth the time but if you're of a certain age like art and i are it's going to trigger all these memories i was yeah. watching Shut freddie up, prince <laughs> i was watching I love the banter Fred- between you two guys it's like <laughs> Shut the fuck up. felix I, I, and oscar over here <laughs> i love when freddie prince made his debut right doing stand-up but i, mean, I have to tell you the great say, moments he, it's a very important moment it was amazing stand-up. but i don't think enough credit should be given to sammy davis for yeah, for, things yeah, on. yeah, yeah, because yeah, I mean, did. if you remember SCTV, Sammy Maudlin, the knee slap, the over laughing. I mean, Freddie Prince was funny, but if you watch it, you would have thought Sammy Davis just like saw the the, the most incredible thing but he'd ever seen. Like, if it's, I don't care what Sammy Davis antics were that night, and they were important in bringing him. They over were and, and getting him. To, I mean, yeah, I mean to getting him to the, him yeah, to the absolutely. To the couch. But I feel like Carson, Carson was smitten by Freddie absolutely. Prince, nineteen years old, and. Carson was just like went off on how impressive that was. That was amazing. Yeah. And that mo that's the moment I point to is the start yep. of what became the comedy boom, which ultimately became comedy Central. you know, with you, comedy central is part of the comedy boom. So you're that that's really the moment. If you ask me like, and, and that's 73. So, and then it was bubbling and then Letterman could, Ah, I'm going to get my truck and come from Indiana and go to uh, Los Angeles. 
and you know keenan ivory waves let's drive across the country and <laughs> let's go get on the tonight show and gary shanling comes from arizona and robin williams comes down from san francisco and they're like everyone's just like we got to get to studio one at nbc and let carson you know elevate us so it was a real moment a real moment so when Car carson had been in new york and he was big, obviously, because it was a national show. But would you say being in L.A. was even bigger? Because... No question. No yeah, question. Yeah. No, because that's where the movie stars were. Right. Like he could get them. But the, like he would come out there. So he would come out to L.A. in the every once in a while when he was doing the show in New York. And all of a sudden, like, oh, there's Bob Hope and Dean Martin. And so I was just <laughs> sitting there who were just dropping by like, OK, well, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Why am I still at Studio 6B when I could be out here in Hollywood? And yeah, yes, that did change a lot. 72 is a big year for stand-up. Three things happened. The, the uh, Tonight Show moves to L.A. in May. The Comedy Store, the first real comedy club in L.A. opens up. And Catch a Rising Star opens in New York, which is the second comedy club in New York City. So those are like, oh, now comedy clubs are becoming a thing. I mean, now they're literally all over the world. That's not an exaggeration. They're in India. They're in, you know, they're everywhere. So that all, yeah, that was the start of like, oh, this isn't just something that the improv that Bud Friedman's doing. Now it's at other places. And, and yeah, then listen, Bud, for a while, for a while, I mean, when we were doing what? Comedy Channel and Comedy Central, every Holiday Inn had, with a four inch riser yep. had, a had you know, had open like night for comedians. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and I will note also that Belzer, once again, the great philosopher of comedy, said in, a, in an interview with the Rolling Stone in 1987 or 88, yeah. I believe, he said, you know, in the old days, kids grew up wanting to be a rock star. But now they're growing up and they want to be a comedy. They want to be a stand-up comedian. And I think that was right. It's what you described. People saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to, you know, wherever I have to go to, to to become a stand-up comedian, I want to do that. I can become a star. And it yeah. was, you know, it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, Belzer's, I mean, that scene that he created helped create over Catch a Rising Star. I don't know if you're or there or you saw what that, I mean, I've never, I, that's not true. Because I would, I went down to the Comedy Cellar a couple of years ago and they were doing five shows a night on Saturday night. There were five sold out shows. And they opened a room around the corner where right. the old folk city used to be. And they were selling out another three shows over there yeah. or something like that. So it's like, that's probably even bigger than what Catch a Rising Star was. And of course, because I was young at the time, I'm sure I'm elevating. But I just remember Catch a Rising Star when I went to NYU in the 70s and I would go up there to check it out. Just limousines, double parked up and down First Avenue. Walk by, oh, there's Dustin Hoffman trying to get you. Like, it was just. A, it was like Studio 54 or something. It was quite a scene. So when it that club closed in the 90s, people were like, what's happening? Now, now we're what is know? happening oh here? What is, is this over? Is this comedy over? Like, it's yeah. So. Here we are. Uh, hey, Wayne, could you hold on one second? We're going to just do a quick break and then we'll be right back. Love it. No surprise, Art, that we had to do two parts with Wayne, huh? Well, the guy, you know, his career was huge. He knows everything there is to know about stand-up comedy. And, uh, yeah, we could, do, we, could, we could go on and on with the guy. I know. We, well, and he is very prolific in his own world of podcasting. I, I, I wasn't joking when I said he may be doing two podcasts at the same time uh, while he's doing ours. Because uh, he, well, I think the book came out of the, uh, a podcast that he hosts, co-hosts uh, about right? the history of stand-up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, he, oh God, that was so funny. And and how how crazy was it that halfway through our interview with him of this part one, and we'll continue this next week, uh, he's interviewing us. <laughs> I know. I mean, that is well, it was that was very the whole meta. Thing that much. It it made the whole thing that much more fun for me. To, yeah. Because we, you know, we were actually having a discussion and a lot of laughs about comedy. That was, that was just. Yeah, he was, he's a curious guy. And I say that, not, that sounds really weird. He's a curious guy, but it sounds like he's an odd guy. An odd guy, yeah. <laughs> but no, he's, he is very curious about 
things and he makes you feel good and it makes you feel important, which is terrific. Uh, so that was really exciting. And I can't wait to continue this conversation for people to hear part two. Till yep, then, this is Vinny Favalli and Art Bell signing off for the Constant Comedy Podcast with Art Bell and Vinny Favalli. <laughs> See you next week. Bye-bye. How was that?